you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis. Before I was the host of Blockdown Indians, I was the lead prospect and draft analyst at 24-7, and then before that at Scout, and then before then I was at Indians Baseball Insider, all the way back to when it was Indians Prospect Insider, uh, back when it was uh, Jim Pete, Tony Lestoria, and myself. Uh, you know, we it's kind of a fun thing to look at. Uh, mostly everybody hates Cleveland guys came out of there. Uh, why am I blanking on... Hayden's last name, who works, you know Hayden, Hayden Grove, maybe, is that his last name? Like, I remember meeting, yeah, Hayden Grove, who, plane dealer, does some radio stuff in Cleveland, like, we all started from there, and that's, uh, you know, my bona fides from back in the day, I should bother Hayden, and just be like, hey, you want to come on, do the podcast, I don't think I've talked to him in a few years, but, uh, yeah, that's where many of us started, obviously, big day, big few days for me. When it comes to the draft, I thought it was very nice when uh, I mentioned I was close to 3,000 followers on Twitter. And Brian Sikowski, who we've had on the show, who's a, a good buddy of mine, when I put up my big board, you know, he sent me a message of like, great job. Uh, Brian, no offense to anyone else, but Brian is currently my favorite talent evaluator over at Perfect Game. And then Carlos Calaza, who I also had on the podcast, one of the nicest people in the game, uh, does, you know, right up there with Brian. Uh, also pushed people my way and there were others too but uh, I thought it was very I just wanted to take a moment and it, it really did mean a lot when that happened and I got over 3,000. I know everyone's talking about the Angels 20 picks 20 pitchers but should we point out the Indians had 21 picks they drafted 19 pitchers they drafted 19 college players they took one prep pitcher and one prep hitter they took one outfielder and one second baseman uh, fascinating draft in that regard in a lot of ways. I've never seen them uh, do anything quite like this. And even more fascinating, everything I talked about yesterday's show, and I want to apologize when I do a show like yesterday's that was a video one. It uh, I don't know what it's doing to my internet, but it just I can't use my fancier webcam because that causes issues. So even though when I use the internal one on the computer, uh, it leads to its own set of issues. Maybe I'll see if my other computer can support it better. No matter what happens, uh, I'm having all sorts of internet issues when that happens, so that leads to some dropping uh, of quality. Uh, so someone pointed that out to me on Twitter, and I am aware. But everything, hopefully, you know, if you listened yesterday, you were able to hear and understand. Uh, you know, I told a funny story where an organization, someone from an organization reached out to me, what are the Indians going to do? Uh, you're good at understanding them as a team. What are the Indians going to do? I said, look at strikeout rates over 10 and walk rates under 3. Well, that that continued to be the case. I mean, of those 19 pitchers, I think two had walk rates over 3. And in terms of strikeout rates, of those 19, I think 15 of the 19 had strikeout rates over 10. So uh, that evaluation, I had no idea how dead on that would be. Uh, yesterday we went through, uh, I had someone ask me, who is the safest player in this class on Twitter? Who is going to be the most likely one to make it to the majors? And I was looking at it. And when you're going through, that's with this many pitchers, you're you're looking at medicals. And 
So that eliminate like Gavin Williams is not the safest player in this class. Uh, Logan Webb is not the safest player, or Logan Webb. I'm going to keep saying that. Ryan Webb, not the safest player in this class. They've both had a, a litany of injuries in college. Uh, Tommy Mace has had his inconsistencies. The safest player in this draft is the one I'm not as high on, and that's Doug Nikhazy. Again, he just wasn't... He probably would have been in the 60s or 70s for me, and they took him at 58. He's a perfectly fine value. Uh, but a lefty, clean medicals, and lefties always, uh, you know, they're rarer. They're harder to come by. He's got a greater opportunity for success there. So I think he is probably the safest player. Speaking of lefties, I didn't get a chance to talk about Rodney Boone yet. And we'll also talk about Will Dion. Uh, so Rodney Boone, I thought it was interesting. Uh, there is Matt Collier, who has Fabio, which stands for... Uh, let me get his profile up so I can actually read this correctly. Uh, it's a whole system he uses, and it's very interesting to look at. And it's fielding and ballpark independent outcomes, pitcher evaluation system. And a lot of people follow him. He's not like just some random guy who's come up with the system. He puts out some great material. Uh, if you want to go look at some of his charts and things, he's at R-I, or I'm sorry, no, he's not. He's at R-E-I-L-L-O-C-I-T-Y. Uh, he was talking about, in one of the tweets he sent out, he's working on a hitter system, so we'll probably talk about that in a bit, but he, he posted the entire Indians chart with all of the pitchers they drafted, which was really cool of him, uh, and in that chart, he talked about the Indians nab 18 D1 pitchers, including three of Fabio's top 12 D1 qualifiers, Doug Nikhazy 6, Gavin Williams 7, and Rodney Boone 12. San Francisco got two of the top three arms. Uh, I'm sure I really liked Matt Mikulski, uh, and uh, I, I don't know if Bed, Bedard would have been that high, but I was kind of surprised that Rodney Boone was the guy. Now, uh, if you're curious, the ranks of the pitchers by his predictive tool goes Nikhazy, Gavin Williams, Rodney Boone, we talked about, Hunter Stanley, who they took on day three, Ryan Webb, who we talked about, Will Dion, who we will talk about, Aaron Davenport, who I expressed my interest for. Uh, Jack Leftwich, uh, Alaska Abney, who we'll talk about for sure today. Jake Miller, who we'll talk about for sure today. Then Tommy Miller, Tanner Beebe, Zach Petway, Reed Johnston, uh, Franco Allman, Davis Sharp, Trenton Denholm, and then Tyler uh, Thornton. Tyler Thornton is definitely kind of the weird pitcher in this class for the Indians. We'll get to that more in a bit. Uh, I think they'll sign everyone. I did see others who had the same thought process as I did that they had money coming into the day. And I really, maybe somebody uh, could be more expensive like Davis Sharp, who they took late. Uh, Maybe Jake Miller could cost a a little bit more. Um, There was some debate if Connor Cox would cost more. But for a lot of these players, they're, yes, technically Connor Cox is a draft eligible sophomore, but he's junior aged. Uh, it's maybe callous to say this, but age still matters. Teams are still judging them on a a typical aging curve. I don't know if players are going to be able to really have a whole lot of leverage if they go back to school. Uh, Just speaking of the drafts in general and aging curves, the craziest pick of this entire draft was one I didn't even notice at first. Sorry, my boom mic just completely collapsed on me. I had to put it all back together, arm and everything. So the really interesting pick that I have to talk about that is not an Indians pick, and then we'll take a break and come back and talk about some of these Indians players. The Milwaukee Brewers drafted a 28-year-old. I've never seen that in any sport. 
a 28-year-old man was drafted. Really interesting is he's six foot. I'm laughing because again, and secondly, interesting because he's six foot seven, one eighty. Uh, there was not too much on him, but I did find things of him hitting ninety eight. Uh, way to go for whatever scout they took him in the twentieth round, highest uh, anyone could find, oldest player anyone drafted. Uh, I think he had tried basketball uh, in the Dominican originally. Uh, Latin American kid who came here and was at a junior college, but 28 years old, six foot seven, 180, uh, hitting 98. I don't know what he's going to become, but I am going to be following Manuel uh, Samez, I want to say. I'll have to go look up his name uh, closely for the rest of his career. 20th round pick of the Brewers. Most interesting pick in this draft. Everyone knows that I get excited when there is a new sponsor, and we got one called Freshly. Daytime. Or, sorry, dinner time can be chaotic, but freshly, it's easy. The chefs take care of your meals a few nights a week, take the pressure off you. We're all trying to get in shape and eat right. Freshly can help. The delicious meals are designed by nutritionists and cooked by chefs, making it easier to eat. Freshly offers chef made, nutrient packed, delicious meals delivered fresh to your door, no cooking required. Grocery shopping and cooking can be a pain, and with Freshly, you don't have to do it. Your meals arrive cooked and fresh every week, so you, keep, so you can keep your fridge stocked. And skip the trip to the store. Ordering is easy. Visit Freshly.com and choose from over 30 deliciously delicious and satisfying better for you meals like steak peppercorn, sausage baked penne, or their chicken pesto bowl. Right now, Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off your first two orders. That's two orders when you go to Freshly.com backslash locked on. Stop stressing about dinner. Go to Freshly.com backslash locked on for $40 off your first two orders. That's Freshly.com slash locked on for $40 off your next two orders. Spotify Green Room is the used to be locker room. Now it is Spotify Green Room. Uh, I am there on Saturday nights talking about the Indians, the draft. Uh, can be all over the place. I've had conversations about uh, Japanese baseball over there. I've had conversations about uh, the Indians and their lack of hitting. Uh, I did a 60-pick mock draft over in uh, Green Room. It's a fun new app. Download it for yourself. It is on Android, and it's on iOS. Android's still in beta, but it is uh, greatly improved over the locker room beta, I will be honest. So go check out Spotify Green Room. It's a fun app. It's a way to chat and communicate. And, you know, it's you can do chat, or you can I can give the room to someone and let them talk, or you can just open it up and have, like, free-flowing audio chat it's like the uh the chat rooms of a decade ago but all voiced go check out spotify green room today so in turn there's the so eventually maybe i'll break myself of that probably not so i had a minor victory today yesterday i was talking about the minor victory of getting two picks right in my mock uh second round draft no i did not do a mock 11th round draft what the uh kind of the humorous note for me was if you've been a longtime listener of this podcast You'll know for two years straight, I've been talking about how Trent Denholm is a future Indian, how much he fits their profile. Uh, you know, the Trent Denholm from UC Irvine is just the very typical Indians uh, pitcher. And who do they take today in the 14th round? But good old Trent Denholm from UC Irvine, the 5'11 right-hander. Uh, so, yeah, if you've been listening to this podcast, again, I've been telling you Trent Denholm's going to be an Indian since 20, 
uh, since me, eh, probably only into 2020 if I'm being fair. But this is a player who back in 2017 was drafted out of high school, 26th round by the Red Sox. So famous before he got to school. His sophomore year at Irvine was was really, really good. That's the year that kind of put him on the map. Uh, the walk rate was a 1.81 with a strikeout rate over 8. Uh, he was looking good last year. Biggest problem for him is, you know, the freshman year was mediocre, and this last year was not great. It really kind of dipped his stock down. He, and it is interesting from the perspective that 2019 and that little bit of 2020, his hit rate is much lower than it is in 2018 and 2021. I don't know if he was tipping. I don't know if he's easier to pick up or what was happening, but all of a sudden he uh, he got a lot easier to hit. His hit rates doubled compared to those the, the years where he was really strong. And his walk rate, which had been in that one fantastic year, around 1.8, those got up there a little bit over three. So for his career, it's at 2.51. Now he is not a big strikeout guy. He's one of those guys who do not uh, have strikeouts over 10. It's at more of a, let's see, a 7.58 for his career. But in, in spite of that, in spite of the bad year, in spite of being a right-handed pitcher who does not throw hard, and is all of five foot eleven inches tall. Uh, and you know he's a player who he's technically a senior, uh, but he won't turn twenty two until the very end of November. Last year he was twenty and wasn't going to turn twenty one until then. Obviously, so he was a very young junior. He's always been very young for his class. Uh, he was still two sixteen in the MLB ranks, even though there aren't any measurables with him. I did not check to see what their scouting report here says. Uh, you know, they do mention that he's got like a low 90s fastball, and they kind of talk about what's what's gone wrong for him this year a little bit. But yeah, I, I was just kind of like, yes, I've been telling everyone for two years, Trent Denholm, future uh, draft pick of the Indians, and lo and behold, he was now. Uh, I realize Nate talked about Rodney Boone and Will Dion, but let's go one pick before. Uh, there's one pick before and one pick after, who are two of the more interesting selections the Indians made. So one pick after is uh, Alaska Abney from Coastal Carolina, six foot one, two hundred five, does all the things we've talked about uh, for an Indians pitcher. He had a high strikeout, he had a low walk. What he also is is a big side armor. Like uh, he really gets down there, really flicks it in, as it were, with that sidearm. Probably gonna end up in the pen because I mean, who's the last starter who was a sidearmer? I mean, I can't think of one. But the Indians have done a good job evaluating, judging, and realizing the value in a right-handed sidearm pitcher. So he's interesting in that regard. But again, very likely goes to the pen in the thirteenth round. Arguably, maybe their hardest sign, uh, Davis Sharp out of Clemson. He had top two round talk coming into the year. Two-way guy who, you know, Clemson had a, a good contingent of pitchers. A lot of them got drafted on day three, uh, including, uh, you know, I talked about Mac Anglin, the kind of last big pitcher from Ohio who had some kind of first round run. Uh, he was taken on day three today. I don't know if he's going to sign or not. But when it comes to Davis Sharp, he mostly shifted, I believe he was a third baseman, to being a starter. His first year was the year that he, yeah, he had 129 at-bats, 45 in the COVID year. And this past year, he had 76 at-bats, 
not the best numbers for him across those years. Bounces out to having an OPS over 800. As a pitcher, he he was also kind of limited. Just 36 innings this year, and that's why he slid down boards. Just didn't have health. Uh, That's what held him back. That's interesting. Again, this is a guy who had some second, third round talk entering the year. Uh, Ends up unranked by MLB. They don't even have a blurb on him. Uh, like I said, it's a guy who's been famous for a while. He's been around. He had a chance. He's six foot four, two ten, third baseman slash right-handed pitcher, drafted out of high school, Georgia kid. He is the type of player you look at this with him getting that extra year back. It might make sense for him to go back to school to try to uh, fix his value. But again, the Indians should have money to spend. I think Davis Sharp gets signed. But he stood out for me amongst these day two selections, him and then the one prep pitcher as players who could conceivably cost a little bit more. But yeah, I was just kind of surprised how many people weren't talking about Davis Sharp. Again, he didn't do anything this year because he just wasn't healthy. And then, you know, 2020 was what it was. But you go back to his freshman year, he's a freshman. He is either starting and when he's not starting, he's playing third base. Uh, 38 games at third, 15 as a pitcher, 14 starts, 84 innings, strikeouts per nine, 8.96, walks per nine, 3.52. Over his career, he's at a 3.26 for his walks per nine. So again, he's one of those players where his strikeout and walk rate don't match what the Indians did with the rest of this class. Talking about two of these guys back-to-back here. But it's that two-way. It's that... And he's not going to continue with the bat. He's not one of those guys where you argue, well, maybe you should give him a chance. No, he's just going to go and be a pitcher. And you take away, you know, you let him focus on the one thing and see what he can become. Work with him in terms of just development and refinement. Clemson gets a lot of players drafted. Clemson does not have a lot of high picks. Uh, Seth Beer comes to mind as a first rounder, and they've had a lot of good teams, but they've had a lot of pitchers who seem to disappoint in their draft years. So it might also be that thing where you're uh, looking at him and realizing there's some things that are easy to fix or things that uh, the Indians might like. Third segment's going to be those last two day two pitchers. Let's dive a little bit more into this class. First player they took, Hunter Stanley in round 11. I talked about the importance of round 11. Hunter Stanley was born in 97. He's going to turn 24 this year. He is very old for a college prospect. Uh, I thought it was interesting that this is who they went for there. Now, again, I talked about that Fabio system, and he was ranked pretty high in there. Uh, Two years at Juco, three years at Southern Miss. His first year at Southern Miss was the year after Nick Sandlin was drafted, so they did not overlap. Uh... 6'0", 190 right-hander. Another probably pen-arm candidate. Uh, Good numbers guy. He fit everything. I think he had one of maybe the highest strikeout rates, something like a 14 off the top of my head. I could be wrong there. But he's just a high-level production player. But he's the guy who's significantly older in the competition he's facing. Now he is undersized. He is slight. Uh, I was trying to think. I thought, no, he was not drafted out of uh, Meridian Community College. I thought he might have been. Uh, no, so the strikeout rate was 11 point, a little over 11, but the walk rate 
was a little over one. Now the home run rate was also over one. He got hit hard. And that goes back even to his Juco days. But we talked about Gavin Williams got hit hard. Uh, Doug Nikhazy. Tommy Mace got hit very hard. That's the guy. Uh, and the Indians, most of their starters have home run rates over one per nine. It does not seem to be something that bothers them at all. So that's Hunter Stanley. Connor Cox, Long Beach State. Long Beach State is a very good baseball program. Its heyday has passed uh, when it was producing high first-round picks, but it is still a very good program. Cox just really didn't play as a freshman or during the COVID year. No one played that year. As a freshman, he had 18 plate appearances in 2019. In 2020, he had 55. This year, 209. He had 366, 456 on base, 577 slugging. Talk about the importance of bat pip. This is a guy with a 409 bat pip, a 385 for his career. He walked 11.5% of the time. He struck out 14% of the time. Had seven home runs and 10 doubles. I talked about the Fabio system uh, that Matt Collier has. His his hitter one, which he's still refining and working on, uh, rated Cox very high. If you're curious about uh, Scott Barnsby's quick quote on him, it was that he uh, liked the offensibility. He has a plan at the plate. He can impact the ball and is a fearless defender in center. He's a solidly built kid at six foot one, two hundred pounds. Good production from a, like I said, a program that produces talent. So he's he's interesting there. And we're gonna at some point profile everyone. Uh, like I said, if I don't get to them today, then I will get to the rest on Friday. Uh, we're going to do our Pat chat on Thursday. But let's talk about, do I have the time here? Let's talk about Jake Miller. Uh, I was going to, I was debating Tommy Ventilum. Well, I'm going to save Tommy V and maybe uh, learn how to say his name a little bit better. But we'll get to him. He's really kind of fascinating for a few different guards. Jake Miller is fascinating in his own regard, not just because of his production, but because of his family. So I want to make sure I get all of this. Uh, his father played with the Raiders and the 49ers. His grandfather played with the Redskins, and his uncle played with the Cubs. Uh, University of San Diego, six foot three, pitcher, uh, very effective for them, very much the Indians' model of pitcher. You do have to like the growth potential uh, for him just with the athletic family he comes from. And he did play at a smaller program. And if you're listening to this on the 14th, he turned 21 today, making him, you know, a young junior that he didn't turn 21 until mid-July. Uh, strikeout rate over 11, walk rate of 2.52, which is a huge improvement. His first year, it was up at six and a half. So he took a, a step forward with his control. Uh, the strikeout rate also took a step forward. He, he improved greatly across the board, really produced this year for San Diego. Uh, technically, he's another one of those redshirt sophomores. Might cost, again, he's one of the ones I look at that could cost a little bit over slot. There are some you know limitations. It's not like he has the biggest stuff. It's not like he's someone who was highly rated everywhere. Uh, and he is a 6'2 righty, which is technically undersized. But you just look at the walk rate, the strikeout rate, you look at his age, and you see why, especially in the 20th round, he really profiled to the Indians. And our next sponsor is the fantastic BillBar.com. I sitting on four boxes of Grasshopper Fudge. I had two bars yesterday. I had two bars today before recording. I just the, It's a personal favorite of mine. 
there were still limited qualities as of qualities quantities as of Monday. So you, if you ever want to try Built Bar, I recommend going and checking that out. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15. Uh, when I went to place my order, I kept trying Locked On 15 instead of Locked 15. So I was messing up, and I instead only got like, uh, I found my old promo code from my order to get my 15% off that way. But uh, make it easier on yourself. Locked 15. That's going to get you your 15% off your order. There's always something fun going on over at BuiltBar.com. They're bringing back new flavors, trying, bringing back old flavors, trying new flavors. Uh, it, this is a product I buy. Like I said, I bought four cases of Built Bar because I love this grasshopper fudge so much. And you will too if you try it. I, like I said, all the hosts love it. I'm yet to have anyone be like, nah, it wasn't for me. And free built travel cooler with every bar purchase currently right now. Uh, they're doing that across the board. Go check out Built Bar for yourself. Use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. You won't regret it. It's delicious and it's good for you. Earlier in the show, when I was talking about that Fabio system, I mentioned that Rodney Boone was one of the top 12 pitchers in his system. And it was Rodney Boone who went uh, you know, day two, round eight, pick 246, who was the play- pitcher of the year in his conference, uh, not over in the uh, the Big West. It wasn't Michael McGreevy who went to the Cardinals to pick 19, his teammate and the Friday starter. Rodney Boone was the Big uh, West pitcher of the year. The left-hander was quite effective all year. Uh, 11.84 strikeouts per nine. Now, he is one of the higher walk guys at a 3.61, 3.53 for his career. 2.31 ERA, 16 starts. He was just, you know, a solid left-hander who missed bats. Uh, he was on 192 on the MLB big board. I feel like he's probably going to be one of those overslot signings. But when you look at all the numbers, all the stats, he's one of those players that shines. And for a team that, yeah, we've seen Logan Allen this year, and they drafted Logan Allen the older, and we've seen uh, Sam Henches. It's been a while since there was actually a lefty. I mean, since uh, the Scott Casimir successful reclamation project, has there been a uh, left-hander who has been steady for the Indians for an entire season? I, I don't believe so. So Boone is certainly a name to watch. The production made him stand out. And then Will Dion came from McNeese State. Now, it's a smaller program. He was the uh, the equivalent of their conference's gold glove winner and uh, pitcher. He is a solidly built dude. 5'10", 180. He just looked like a, like a walking brick. But he still made a pretty athletic play with his glove. Like, reaching out to his right, recovering, throwing to first... Uh, in the one highlight video that McNeese sent out. Listed in some places is 5'9", 175. This past year, uh, walk per nine, 1.72, strikeout per nine, 10.93. That's actually the worst strikeout of his uh, career. His career total is a 12.69. His career walk total is a 2.44. He dominated the Southland. He was the Southland Pitcher of the Year. Uh, right-hander, obviously undersized. Uh at five foot ten, high eighties, low nineties fastball, some breaking pitches. 
uh you know the what's the mlb thing on him uh very competitive which is always the uh scouting way of saying uh average stuff average tools average everything works hard very competitive that's that's when you're covering up for tools that just aren't there he might be a little underslot might save them a little bit of money with that pick i don't think there's a chance he's gonna save him a ton uh but again just a pitcher who fits and said i believe he's the southland pitcher of the year rodney boone was the big west pitcher of the year they went out and got some pitchers of the year and just kept hammering this specific type control guys who miss bats and just control guys in general like there is not that there's one pitcher in this entire group being uh, i think it's tyler thornburg who did not have a walk per nine under four like his was over four uh, across the board, like I said, we still got to talk about Tyler Thornburg, Zach Petaway, Tommy Ventimigalia, uh, Reed Johnson. There's more players to talk about. They'll probably have a few, not a ton, uh, undrafted free agent signings we get into as well. I had many, many people ask me, why did they do this? And I mean, I could do a whole podcast on that if I'm being honest. But in a nutshell, they know what they were successful of in 2016, which has a chance to be the greatest draft class in Indians history. They look at last year's class, which was successful. When you're evaluating pitchers, it's, I mean, talent evaluation is easier the older the player gets. It just, that's the way it is. And when you look at pitchers, a lot of the best pitchers in baseball actually come from the college ranks, guys who have had a long time to develop, or they're high school guys who you know, didn't get hurt and went through the the whole process. And, you know, you don't see as many great international pitchers. Um, And I feel like a lot of that is because it is a quicker, more successful route to be a hitter. And if you're a very athletic player, you tend to get shunted towards, uh, you might be able to throw hard, but you're not seeing those two-way players uh, with the 16-year-olds from Latin America. And you often see a guy who maybe would have been a really good pitcher is instead of shortstop. And that's just how that developmental pool is. So if you're mostly going to go there for hitters and because it's easier to evaluate hitters than pitchers, especially at a young age, then you course correct with your, you know, your draft and you go pitcher heavy. You find the guys that fit your model that you find that as an organization, you have the most success with and you load up and you figure out who's going to work and who isn't. And with the new set rules and systems, I mean, some of these guys are going to go into high A very quickly. There's going to be some cuts on the horizon, I believe, because there's just not spots anymore. 20 new players, 20 new, I mean, well, not 20 new, 19 new pitchers. Where are they going to slot them all? All of them are college guys. That means you should have 19 pitchers going into low A. Uh, there isn't room for that. They're going to have to figure something out. And a lot of those organizational soldiers, the guys like Eric Mock, the guys like Tanner Tully, uh, Alec Wisely, the guys who've been up and down and everywhere and been the great organizational soldier arm for them this year as they've dealt with injury, those guys might be gone in another week or two. Once, well, another few weeks, once players start signing, they're going to have to start opening spots. They're going to want to... Now, some of these college arms, too, because of not pitching much the year before and then pitching a bunch this year... The man also say, like, hey, Gavin Williams, rest. We don't want any reps out of you. Uh, For some of these pitchers, maybe there won't be a lot of big cuts. They might have a good chunk of these 19 pitchers not pitch at all this year. 
that is, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but yeah, we'll get into our final few picks that we have not talked about on Friday's show. I'll be talking with Pat tomorrow. And for the next year, maybe two, go Tribe.